0: Welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by Record Sports Craig Swan and our special guest Celtic legend Chris Sutton. Lads, thanks very much again for joining me. How are
1: we all today? Very, very well. I'm just off the golf course. I don't like to talk about myself, Liam, but I was really brilliant today. All right. No, go right ahead. Go right ahead. I'm not saying I shot a, a big score, but I beat my sons, thrashed them. Well, that's all it doesn't it? Yeah.
2: What, what are yes, I'm. I'm okay as well. Thank you, Liam. Thanks. <laughs> I did ask how you both were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I, I had to. I had to stand aside for some tale, right. tales of golf. Well, you it's, it's, must have done something yeah. this morning, Swanee. What? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looked after children. Yeah. Well, very exciting. Sami <laughs> some, has not gone to the golf course, Chris. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, enthralling but, stuff but thanks for letting me know <laughs> <laughs> anyway on the
0: pod today um, as well as uh, games starting to restart in other countries it looks as though Celtic are going to get back on the training pitch this week uh, we'll have a wee look at what the road ahead could look like uh, that obviously takes us to playing closed door games and then there's a small amount of champions league qualifiers We'll have a wee look at the Champions League as well and then some transfers and a wee look at the new... Well, it's not a new proposal, is it? But Celtic and rangers Coach is back on the agenda, so we'll have a wee look at that. Um, but first, a good step forward, it seems, for Scottish football. I know not all the clubs are going back to training this week, but Celtic are among them. Um, obviously, first day of pre-season season, uh, does that bring back any memories? First day of pre-season. What is that? What's that like for a footballer?
1: Um, well, a lot of players, you know, aren't too keen on uh, the first day back. I, I, never used to mind it because I used to. I'm mean, the older I got, I used to do a lot of my training in the summer holidays when I went away with the family. Mm-hmm. After after three or four hours with my kids, uh, sort of running was a bit of a release. Uh, for me so I used to keep pretty fit uh like that and go back in 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 good shape and of course it was it was always interesting to see the different shapes and sizes certain players uh came
0: back in so is it fair to say that there was some that enjoyed it and some that maybe didn't enjoy it so much
1: <laughs> yeah I think so I think that uh, I think well I think you can guess uh you, you know some of the players who I played with who who overindulged in the summer. I mean, most players, um, you know, were were responsible during the summer. And of course, it's a competitive game, so you know, you you you're, you're vying for position. So I used to, you know, always want to keep ticking over and train regularly throughout the summer. You had the likes of Henrik Larsen, who was so naturally talented. He just used to learn a beach all summer and come back and still be everybody in the running, but. The rest of us used to have to sort of knuckle down and, and do the hard yards. And I think football uh, has changed over the years, or it certainly did when I played. When I first started off at Norwich City, there was a lot of longer uh, running, four or five miles regularly, and they used to run you into the floor uh, and run you actually until somebody vomited and then we would actually stop training. Uh, and so sort of back, back in the day... It was, uh, the, it, you know, I was a youth team player. It was always make sure you beat the first team. You've got to earn the right to uh, to, to relax uh, during pre-season, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and that was, I, I quite enjoyed that mentality. Went to Blackburn Rovers uh, and we used to sort of have to clear the, the dog's mess off, off local parks before we started training. That was the season we won the Premier League. And then uh, and then on to, on to Celtic where... Martin O'Neill I think he used to used to really quite enjoy coming out with this stopwatch and uh, and and running the players I mean we used to do it throughout the season at times he used to just rock up and and stroll over t- appearing uh, under his glasses and uh, and absolutely run us into the floor. And one of one of our favourite times in pre season was in pre was when he used to run the goalkeepers, Jonathan Gould and Rab Douglas, because they were <laughs> hopeless at running. And we just used to sit there and and laugh and mock them they were awful.
0: Was <laughs> that your reward for putting in a, a hard graft that you got to then sit and beat the goalkeepers?
1: that was part of the entertainment wasn't it yeah. i mean you know it, it really was and i think martin knew that deep down and uh, and they they used to hate it but martin was you know he could be absolutely ruthless and he certainly was with uh, with a few of the lads uh-huh. was well, it get com-
0: did it get competitive between players during pre-season in terms of in terms of the running
1: and fitness work everybody bar Johnny hartson really i think um <laughs> you know it used to be a relief sort of running uh, against John in the bleed test because you knew you know you couldn't do any worse really uh, but i think it was you know competitive you come back and um, you know you 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 know, personally i always wanted i took a great deal of pride in you know in, in working hard throughout the summer so you come back and you want to you want to be the best you want to be first and i think that that's you know natural across all clubs you know in all sports really, where you know players want to want to be the best at everything i was I was never the best, but that was always always the thing which kept me going trying to be the best mm-hmm. did it take a few days before you even got to look at football, or did that come quite early on um certainly in the in the you know in the old olden days uh you know norwich city the the first couple of um Weeks would be about getting a base, uh, and by the time I'd finished my career at Celtic, the balls were out from day one, and you know, always doing stuff with the balls. I've got mixed views on it. I I think that there's a um, you know a, a, a place and you know an importance about getting a, a really good fitness base, uh, and then and then working from there. But it seems nowadays everything is monitored. You have all these sports scientists. Who were keen on, um, you know, on telling the manager, you, you know, what's required, and they have the belts on, you know, the heart monitor uh, belts, which uh, you know can monitor how how tired players are and how they're training. Um, but you know, I, I I actually quite like the old-fashioned mentality, run into the floor. Um, yeah. But of course now it's more it's more scientific.
0: Yeah, I think as well. I mean, was there a good sort of team building element to it when you're all kind of in the trenches? getting run into the grounds like that?
1: Uh, I don't uh-huh. know, I, no, I know. I know what you mean in some yeah. respects, but, I mean, being totally selfish, it was just about, you know, I, I, honestly, I didn't care about what anybody else was doing. I was just, yeah. you know, thinking about myself, and if anybody else was flagging, then uh, <laughs> put it this way, I wouldn't be waiting for them. So I get that.
0: Uh, so I mean, obviously... the. First Celtic first team will be coming back this week, but it's it's going to look a lot different um, to what they're used to. These social distancing measures are being put in. Um, I think it was quite interesting, you know, they're they're not being made to test the players quite yet. It's just they're coming back under under basically the same rules that everybody else is in terms of the groups. So they have to train in small groups, and so how can how much. T- getting used to is that going to take for the players because it's obviously going to be much
2: altered to what, to what you're used to
1: um, Do you want to go Swanee?
2: Yeah I think that um I, I think that the, the, the idea initially is just to get back everybody just to get a bit of familiarity and get players at all the clubs back together just to catch up I know it's going to be in smaller groups but I think as, as Chris alluded to there um I know that the game has changed over the years, um, but there, there would still be fitness work first before it would be full group and all the balls out. So I think having this period to start with might not be too disruptive in the fact that they can just do sort of the running and the fitness work in the individual groups uh, before, you know, obviously when you get further down the line, obviously the ball has to come out and everybody has to work together and the shape and the contact stuff and all of that, but in the initial period, I think it's just a case of getting everyone back in the building, just yep. trying to get the squad together and get a wee bit of unit again. I mean, obviously they've had all their Zoom calls and whatever it is they do, but there's nothing really, I would guess from the footballer's point of view than being in with the group, and with the lads, although as, as, as has been mentioned, they will be in fractured groups and they won't all be together as the one, but, you know, it just, it's just a case of getting people back into the swing of it, I
1: think. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I think that, um, you know, the fact that, that, I mean, I have seen, I mean, you said they're not testing, a Celtic not testing yeah. in Ross County. I thought that they were two clubs which were testing. I think they have the, the facilities uh, right.
0: to do the tests. I think just what they were told is that when they come back this week, uh, mm. they don't necessarily have to put in that strict regime. They're just kind of under the same... You know, if we, if you know, like some of us were to go, you can only meet up with a certain amount of people. So I think it's under that basis just now, and then there'll probably be a, a protocol that comes in as far as a, as far as a red.
1: Yeah, I, I, I suppose the beauty is, Liam, is that um, you know at this moment in time, um, that there, there is no rush for Celtic, and uh, you know other clubs, of course, Celtic, you know, normally are rushing back a short break, and you know, there's always this. Uh, debate over the summer about international players uh, you know are they going to be tired when are they going to get their rest period uh, but now the players have had a good rest period uh, and they're not going to have these uh, Champions League qualifiers uh, to contend mm-hmm. with so it's a case of, of just easing the, uh, themselves back in and of course you you, you talk about no testing um, you know for, for certain clubs I think that it's, it's vitally important that um, you know, players and, and, and coaching staff, you know, take that seriously and, and everybody has a responsibility to to keep the social distancing. Uh, uh, of course, uh, as things change and, and players go into uh, into contact and 11 v 11, testing will be of paramount importance.
0: Yeah, I think it's from at least next week um, that the, the sort of more strict testing protocols for the, the clubs and the teams will come
1: in Um just certainly going to be different, isn't it? For you know, oh, you, you know, your likes of Scott Brown and uh, and McGregor, and you know, in terms of European football and uh, Champions League football, and that pressure. And if you if you Celtic players at this moment in time, you're not going to feel uh, that burden. You, you know, you're going to come back with a freedom in many respects. Enjoy the training and be eased in, but eventually there's going to come a time when the, the Champions League uh, does start when that is, you know, we don't know when uh, it's going to start getting really intense, but for, I mean, was McGregor not one of the, was he not the sort of world record holder in number of games in, in in the last 12 months or something, you know, it's good. I think that, uh, you know, that the, the players who have played regularly for, for a number of seasons like McGregor Brown and, and Forrester, they can, put the feet up and I'm, I'm sure that they, um, you know, would have welcomed the rest and, and be raring to go now. I know, I think there's certainly a fair few there that certainly earned it. Uh, obviously, the
0: getting back training is the first step um, and then sort of building up towards then is closed door games. Uh, so I don't know, Swanny. I mean, have you been watching much of the closed door football Bundesliga you know, what have you made all that so
2: far I'm sad to say I've um, not made a lot of it um, no. I don't I don't I don't as, um, as a template for Scotland it hasn't it hasn't excited me greatly I, mm-hmm. was, ho- I was hoping that it would grow um, I think a better test case might come next week with the English Premier League maybe get a better idea of what it might be more like, you know, more, more recognisable players and people everybody knows. I know people have a great knowledge base now of the Bundesliga and the various foreign leagues, but it might give us a better idea uh, of what we might be facing uh, once we see what happens in England. I'm, I'm actually fascinated by the whole pre-season, you know, the build-up to training that you guys have been talking about. For example, where do pre-season friendlies fit in? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, you would usually have a pre-season you know, taking Celtic and being the Celtic podcast, Celtic would go abroad, they'd play three or four games in Austria, whatever, get themselves up, then they would come back, they'd play a few games at home, maybe against foreign opposition. Um, I don't know how they're going to do that. They could do it down
1: south, couldn't they?
2: Possibly, but uh, have you got a situation where, this is what kind of fascinates me, because are the leagues down south not trying to get into business and into finishing the leagues? When, 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 When Celtic are playing there, um, when Celtic are doing their pre-season build-up to start on mm. August one. I was under the impression the English Premier League and the English Championship were playing up to a finish on July thirty-one. But so they haven't got they will... time to play games.
1: Yeah, I, so... I, I get that, but they will have. They will have. I mean, there are so many players in the squads, aren't there? That they, you know, they will want players who aren't uh, playing regularly in the first team to to get games. And you know, well, it's I'm not, not sure be...
2: about that, Chris. I'm not sure about that because they are they're talking about. Cramming these games in so much, mm. all I keep hearing is it's going to be games every three or four days, and squads yeah. will have to be utilized. They can't play the same amount of players yeah, and have extra subs yeah. to try and. So, the last thing I would imagine they would want to do, I think they'll have to use the, the full squads for their competitive games.
1: I now, think it's I, all, I, yeah, I, I get that it's all right in theory, but but you know, the Premier League squads down south are so big. And run so deep, there are going to be players who need to get game time. So, you know, I do, I do think, I do take your point. I think it's a good point, but I do think that it is, you know, it is workable. And that's, you know, it seems, um, you know, really important. You touched on the the testing, Liam. It does seem that, you know, Celtic and Ross County have the testing capability. So, so um, with, I know that there are games being played down south uh, between. Uh, clubs at this moment in time with the build-up for the for the uh, season down here, but it does seem uh, the only way that they can play in competitive games is if uh, the players are being tested regularly. So in that respect, I think that Celtic and Ross County, albeit a bit further from Dingwall, will have a will have an advantage uh, until the other sides get up and running with the testing. Certainly, um, no, I take, obviously definitely take that point as well. It's,
0: I think. Looking at the the closed door games, I think there was one of the kind of interesting stats that came out. Uh, certainly from the Bundesliga is that uh, it's a home advantage based on the results it seems to have been wiped out almost, um, if not entirely, but certainly kind of significantly. I mean, how do you, do we see that you know playing out in a in Celtic's case? You know, I mean, because sometimes you know, obviously they'll not have that sixty thousand at their back. Uh, for home games um, but then you know there's you can flip that on its head like going to places like Pataudry where they won't have to deal with the crowds right on top of them so there's you know there's different scenarios there how do you think that, that could play out
2: here? My own personal view is it, 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 it's a disadvantage to Celtic as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm. um, I th- because I think the squad has shown that they're capable of performing it, you know Chris will know himself and um, what they have in horse racing, the sort of morning glories, if you like. Who no, would get around in you know, horse
1: racing? Yeah, no. and,
2: and, and, train, and, and training great in the morning, but not so good in the racetrack in the afternoon. I'm sure Chris has seen players that Monday to Friday in the training ground are dynamite, and then you stick them out in front of a crowd and they lose their nerve. And Hang on a this, minute, are you
1: comparing n- footballers to horses?
2: <laughs> you know what You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Guys who can't perform when the pressure's on and when the, when they're under scrutiny, and Celtic have players who can cope with that. And I think that gives them a big advantage. Also, the big home crowd as well. Do
1: you know what, Liam? Swanee would have enjoyed German horse racing. German horse? Just not, just not the Bundesliga back. Just not the
0: <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. We started horse racing again in Swanee in Germany. Who knows? Uh, What's that? They started. They started the horse racing in Germany. Maybe the
1: Germans. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: They were. They were one of the first ones going. Yep. They were one of the first. That's ones been going. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but But just, I, I don't think. In all seriousness, I don't think um, it can. I don't think in any way, shape, or form it can. It can work to Celtic's advantage. Celtic uh-huh. have big, big game players who react to off atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I think we've all seen that. Um, we'll, we'll, we've spoken over the past three or four seasons about the way the bigger the game the more the rise to the occasion Yeah. Um, so it's going to be and of course without being any way disrespectful to a Hamilton player or a Livingston player the atmosphere change at Celtic Park for the Celtic players is going to be a lot different to the atmosphere change for say a Hamilton or Livingston player at home mm-hmm. just because of the volume of numbers the volume of supporters so I think yeah. it'll, it will affect them more than anyone else but having, having listened to what the players have had to say through this they, they, they've they're well aware of the importance of the season, and I, I, I get the impression that it doesn't really matter what gets thrown at them; that they'll be ready to deal with it. I think that they're, they're, they're accepting of the fact it might not be the same to start with, mm-hmm. but I think they're ready just to, to deal with it. So, and then then it, then I suppose it just comes down to having better better players and better quality. What
0: well, I was going to say is there maybe another side to that argument that I don't know. Maybe you know more so in the Bundesliga that these teams where the home advantage isn't quite shown as much that these teams are maybe a bit more evenly matched than a Celtic and say, you know, a team at the bottom of the Premiership, so the, the effect might not quite be so great than two teams that are a sort of 50-50 and home advantage could tip the scales, if, if that makes sense. It's
2: possible, no. but it's a small test sample, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, one, one yeah. league isn't really a great, you know, you make a very fair point there, Liam, they might have been 50-50 games anyway. And more so than what some of the games might be in Scotland, so I think it's too small of a, a, a test case, example yeah. really to, to 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 make a definitive judgment. Say once the other leagues start in other places, we might get a better idea. But um,
1: well, I, I'd agree with that. I think I think it's slightly you know premature. You know, it's only been a few weeks, hasn't it? There's you know, yeah. not been so many games. You know, take Swanee's point about the you know the. The crowd having an impact, I think. The um, you know, with clubs like Hamilton and Livingston, it's you know not going to have any impact on them because you know they don't they don't have big crowds. Uh, so you know that I don't know whether they'll get an advantage from that. I think from Celtic's point of view, um, you know, it's important that when the players do get back to playing uh, to playing competitive football, uh, that they are switched on and ready to go from the start of the season because there is so much at stake and you know in many respects you you know if we're sitting there and we're 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 looking at the individual squads which each team in the Scottish Premiership has we'd we'd all sit there and say that Celtic still um, have the strongest squad and that's what Celtic have, have got to focus on but you have to go out there on the pitch and do it but it's going to be a it's going to feel different this season but Celtic just have to focus on what is at stake yeah, there is Swanee now the ultimate sort of carrot to
0: keep
2: the players focused at the end of this season, isn't there? Absolutely, and and I've and, and they've, and they've mentioned it to a man uh, so far, the ones that have spoken about the situation. Um, Lee like Griffith spoke about it last week, and he said that, you know, just you know, he, he called it the most important season in Celtics history coming up. So it's quite clear that the players themselves know um, what's ahead of them. Yeah, and I, and I think, and, and also, I think it's important to, to try and keep in mind that hope, we're all hoping, fingers crossed, and I think we all expect it's not the whole season. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, we, we don't know, and I don't know if you're going to be touching on this later on, Liam, but, you know, we, we don't know exactly when we're going to get crowds back in football stadiums and things like that. But, you know, we're, we, we all have sort of taking a safety first approach and a cautious approach and everyone sort of talked about 2021 and things like that but there's one or two other sports are now talking about maybe getting people in in some way, shape or form so listen, fingers crossed maybe it just be, it might just be the first couple of months of the season maybe yeah. it, it might not be it might be six months but you know if the players can just think this is just a short term thing you know a, a bit similar to if, you're, if your top goal scorer gets injured for six weeks and you, have to, you have to patch your way through it and get through it Whatever way you can The way Celtic often have done in the last couple of years In December for example In that period when the games have absolutely piled up And have ended up with 9, 10, 11 games In the space of what 5, 6 weeks And you just kind of patch your way through it Get through it, get the points on the board And then reset and go again It might just be a case to try to do that Through the early weeks of the season Make sure, make sure you just cope with the, the temporary yeah. situation Until it gets back to normal
1: yeah, just, I mean, just on that Lee Griffiths point, I mean, it's not the most important season in Celtic's history. Sixty-seven was. Mm-hmm. I mean, this season's important, of course, going for the ten. But the, you know, winning the, you know, the the big trophy. I mean, that has to be the most important trophy in, you know, Celtic's history. This is this is big, but you know, the Lisbon lines are untouchable. Mm-hmm. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm not Lee Griffiths. I'm only telling you what you said. I'm just, just, I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just I'm just making the point. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think yeah. But, but but maybe maybe the point maybe the point is, and by the way, I don't disagree with you 100% right, Chris. But the players at the start of the season in 1967, did they know they were going to win the European Cup that year? Um, so, so were they going into the biggest season as they went? it
1: ended up the ended the biggest yes, season that Celtic will ever have. Yes, exactly, and that that is the point. Yeah. Glad we got there in the end. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not
2: not arguing with you one iota. I don't think 1967 will ever be passed. But, yeah. Well, that takes us on to this season's Champions League, uh,
0: which, obviously, you know, the 2019-20 tournament hasn't finished yet. um, The kind of latest... Uh, Reports and rumours is that UEFA um, are going to announce a sort of mini tournament to finish it off uh, in August. Uh, There's an executive meeting on the 17th and 18th of June, uh, where presumably they're going to lay out a schedule for how European competition moves forward after that. So it's from what I read, there's a a chance that this season's Champions League final could be at the very end of August. So then you're looking at, I don't know, a short perhaps a short break after that and then the qualifiers for next season will start. And then obviously that's a huge difference to what Celtic have been used to in the past couple of years where, you know, in a normal season we'd be sitting here now talking about those games coming up in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, it's got to be a good thing potentially that, for a, a change before they get into these games, they're going to have a full pre season under their belt, probably if the premiership starts in time, a good few competitive games. So I mean, if we're trying to take the positives from this situation, that's you'd think that'd be one of them.
1: Yeah, maybe so from a uh, playing perspective. I mean they the you know, we always say every season, I mean, all you you know, decent sports writers, you know, you all always have the you know, the the, the same articles, don't you? You know the the most important games of the season. That's why I don't read. I don't read your papers when uh, you know when we first start the season because you're so predictable in what you're going to write. Um, oh, no, I don't mean that. at all. Uh, but, you know, says, people, says,
2: Chris Sutton on the Daily Record."
1: <laughs> no, I mean that is. But I mean the interesting thing, and you know, I haven't got a clue what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know whether you have, but so, something has to give, doesn't it? Because it, it's it's cramming the fixtures in, and you know the Euros are going to be uh, next summer now. So how on earth are, are these games going to be crammed in? So you know, is, was there talk of uh, of them? You know, the the games being played over over one leg, or I mean, could, yeah. could they oh, yeah. could they could they chop down the the qualifying or reduce the number of of qualifying rounds, mm-hmm. um, something has to give; otherwise, yeah. it's just not going to be feasible. I think maybe chopping it down to one leg is
2: maybe a better way, or maybe a more workable way of of getting these more work, more workable. I would agree, Liam. Yes, better. No, 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 not ideal. But I think mm-hmm. it's... Ridic- ridiculous if you're asking teams to go and play in a way of, you know. How'd that... I so, so what happens then if you're the seeded team? You get to play at home. So that's, Yeah, I mean, that's just not. That's just not fair. Yeah, and I, I don't. I don't agree with that. At all. I, I, I think. I, I, I... Yeah. Um, it will allow the players to be up to speed before they play these qualifiers and whatever guys they're in. I also think it will help the club um, in the transfer market mm-hmm. because there's always this terrible. Rush that the, the club that you know clubs the Scottish clubs are forced into to try and get players in the door early for the start of the qualifiers. Then it's always the deadlines this night for the next round, and it makes it harder to try and get guys in the door. And often it can be the last couple of the days of the window before you know. Certainly, Celtic can get the squad completely complete because they know what other clubs are going to be doing in terms of loan players. And you know, for example, Elia Nussi came in later on. Um, last year maybe if he was available I'm I'm just surmising here but it means they can get the squad the the complete squad for the season ahead in place before they take part in the qualifiers because it can often be that the the guys that turn out important through the course of the season aren't even signed by the time the qualifiers are uh, are underway so I think that would be better let the squad get settled and built but of course that's a a summation again because we don't know when the transfer window is going to close yeah, because I we don't know counter, you
1: know, the counter, it's, it's the counter argument to that, Liam and Craig, is, is it'll be the same for everybody though. Everybody's squad will, will still get pretty settled. Everybody's team will be settled yeah. when, when, when these games come around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Yep. Yeah. yeah, true.
0: Yeah. Again, it's just it's one of those ones where there's obviously there's more more questions uh, than answers. It's just you know if I think the some of the talk was that the group stage could start as late as October, which is obviously a, a total—you know—that's like almost a full month after the, it
2: would normally start. Well, not really, Liam, because it's usually it's usually mid-September. The first yeah. group games are usually September 18 or September 16 or something. Usually, yeah. have match day one on like the. Eighteenth, I think when Celtic played Anderlecht, match day two, when the yeah. Celtic won in Brussels, I think that was in October, unless I've got that wrong, I may mean, have got that wrong, it was maybe October 1 or October 2 or something. Yeah. And then, and then you don't start the knockout games, everyone's given that sort of refresher after the, the group stages are finished, and, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's normally February before they kick in. Yeah, it's February. Surely, surely they could kick in mid-January. Mm-hmm. Just try and, try
1: and make the time up that way. The issues the qualifying games, isn't it? That's uh, that's the big issue. That you know, that's the dilemma. How are they going to cram? What well, it would be, it would if you know, Celtic went all the way through the qualifiers. It would be eight games. Am I right? Yeah. 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 So how how are they going to fit eight games in in, in September? My so, maths isn't that good, but that that <laughs> isn't going to happen unless something. Gives. Unless, no, and, and
2: also, Chris, you've got the, the situation with different, with, with different countries and we don't know how... I mean, we've got a situation now where anybody landing in Scotland has to quarantine for 14 days. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, you don't know how that's going to work with other countries until all countries are in line and all countries are allowing free travel. Yeah. I, I find the whole prospect of European football impossible. Yeah. I don't see how you can have... Even if you've got one country out of kilter with the whole thing, you might then have eight quarterfinals to play, but you can't play one of them because one of the teams can't allow opposition in. The whole thing falls down. Yeah, So I'm not really sure.
1: I'm
2: I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm just making the point, Chris, that the whole thing could... You could have an entire third qualifying round set up all in place. If one country doesn't allow a game to happen, then how does that work? Mm -hmm. You just say, oh, you're both out then? Or... You couldn't you fulfil your fixture so the other team goes through. They might have to do something like that. But then, mm. again, then, how, then how fair is that? If Celtic mm-hmm. get drawn to play a team and, and Celtic are allowed to visit their country to play them, but the other team have to quarantine on the way in. So because of the Scottish government, Celtic lose their place in the Champions League. Mm. That's that's not right. Or Motherwell lose their place in the Europa mm. League or Aberdeen.
0: That's You would that's, think it would have to be like a they would have to work in some sort of joined-up approach right across the board. There has to be, Liam. There has but then, to be. And then, you know, that is that way, it's like, that's not just... That, that won't just be down to UEFA. Then that's going to take cooperation from governments and, yeah. and public officials as well. So it's difficult to see, you know, as well as that, it's like, I think, you know, the Bundesliga and the Premier League, they don't seem to be... If there's, you know, a positive test in a squad, they're not quite forcing all the... The entire squad into, into quarantine, but there might be. I think it was Serie A, was the one where they're kind of the Italian government sort of sticking by this idea that if one player in the squad tests positive for COVID, then the whole squad then has to isolate for two weeks. So there's that as well. It's not even just the, the travel restrictions, it could be one positive test that kind of gets it all to fall down. So I think you're right when you're saying that it's going to need a joined up approach that's kind of it seems difficult.
2: Just Incidentally not- Liam I, I don't blame them For trying to put plans in place There's no, nothing wrong With trying do. to be no. prepared And I think that's a good thing So that You yeah. know If governments were all To turn around and say Okay everything's fine They're ready to go Rather than thinking Alright we better organise this now But just I mean I don't know What you guys think But I just think Everything's so you know, yeah. Different with all The different countries Just now That it's quite difficult To think of a uniformity Within European football I'm not sure how right. that It can be done
1: I agree with Craig. As you know, it is very difficult to plan ahead, but they must try something. I mean, who knows? I think there's legal actions going on against the government for these uh, quarantines, isn't there? When people land, the two-week period. I think some of the um, some of the uh, airplane industry are, are, are having legal challenges. So, I mean, you know, the situation may change. But you know, it's, it, it's not just Scottish clubs; it's English clubs, you know, down south who would have. Absolutely, the same issue. So, what we do know is it is it seems pretty unworkable in the current situation for these, um, you know, for, well, uh, first and foremost for English clubs. Actually, how are they going to finish the Champions League season? What's going to happen with Rangers if they have to go over to Germany?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the biggest one, Chris. I think if, if I I think now it would maybe take some uh, compromise with other maybe cup competitions and separate countries whether they did it but I think you could almost get if you almost played it week on week you could get the entire European season done next year maybe from mid-September right through and get it done Mm -hmm. or maybe even the start of October I think the problem is they are so determined to finish last season's that everything has like so. If that gets held up, it's going to push everything back again. I think yeah. if they had like a, a Scottish Premiership situation, where they just said, "Right, last season's done. That's it. Sorry, we can't have any, it. It couldn't finish. Sorry, there's no winner." And then they just made a plan to start the 2021 European season on X October one or something like that. It might give them a better chance of getting to it. But the fact they have to finish this season's competition, it just complicates everything again. I think. Yeah, especially trying to.
0: As, we were talking As Chris about. makes
2: a point, Rangers. I mean, what's going to happen? You know, yeah. So that, that, you know, when, do, when does that game get get fit? And you know, they're talking about August. Are you saying Liam that they're talking about trying to get all this season's games finished if they yeah. can?
0: And there was a kind of provisional. Again, it's not confirmed at this point, but the date that was going around for a potential Champions League final was the 28th of August, and then there would be a a bit of a break, and then the next one would start. So I mean, unless they. You know, I, I don't imagine any of the teams who are going to be involved in, well, certainly not teams involved in the early stages of Champions League qualifying are currently in the last 16. So unless they started, and I, mean, this would, I don't know if this is workable, but unless they started these early round qualifiers before or at the same time as they're trying to, to finish this season in Champions League, I mean, that could... Save a bit of time, but again... Is
2: that, is, is that definitively? I mean, it probably is, rather than one or two, but did we not have a situation... Uh, now, you guys will correct me if I've got this wrong, but did Ajax not reach the semi-finals of the Champions League before they lost to Tottenham and then ended up playing in the third qualifying round the next season? Yeah. Oh, no, no, you're right, actually,
0: they did. Yeah. Which is
2: just... But but I, I, I take the point that's an unusual... That You know, that's an exception rather than... You know, you probably could play the first... One or two rounds in tandem, even though it wouldn't look right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, you don't have any teams from, for example, the Faroe Islands or Luxembourg or anything like that in the last eight. So, uh, of the two competitions from last season, so maybe you could get a, at least a couple of rounds out of the way. Yeah, that's. I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't look great, but you know, having the 2021 first qualifying round on the same night as the semi-finals of the 2019 yeah, 20 but exactly, tournament. But, but,
1: but, but maybe but we just have to do back. different things. We just have to do different things, maybe. But with that, Swanee, say a, a, a club from a certain country um, wins the Champions League, that will have a knock-on effect uh, in terms of the seedings, won't it? So it's not yep. that straightforward. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. True, yeah. If you you get my point. I mean, the regular situation is very very interesting, isn't it? Because if they go and play in Germany and then they come back and they get quarantined, Celtic could be 12 points ahead before the end of August. Could have won the league (laughs) by the end of August next season. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah, it's
2: just just odd, isn't it? It's just odd. That's why I think there just has to be a uniformity. I think there has to be a uniformity and a freedom of movement for people around Europe. Before we can start really thinking about European football,
0: is that why then the testing is just going to become so important for these teams? But whether you know a team coming back from a European game could test its entire squad, its entire staff, and then to, if if that all came back negative, or if there was a couple of positive tests, they could isolate those players. But then it would show that there's maybe not a need just for a blanket two weeks if they can you know show definitively that. Um,
2: that the majority just all just all sounds too complicated to me, Liam. To be honest, it's just, but,
1: but, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I suppose uh, look, looking at it logically, the testing's the key, isn't it? And uh, you know, that's that's the confidence I think that uh, that, that we are getting down south at this moment in time. I think was there a um, 1195 tests. Premier League test last week I may be wrong with the figures I normally am but not one one person tested positive mm-hmm. you know you can imagine you know there's a lot of confidence because of that but you know it's yeah. uh, a situation where it's still very very much wait and see you know if the, if the numbers suddenly go up then uh, you know e- everything is on the table again isn't it it I is not
2: it in encouraging though Chris isn't yeah. it the, 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 the numbers around everywhere seem to be I may have got this wrong, I'm no scientist, I'm an expert on news, but um, maybe South America's not great at the moment, but certainly Europe, the numbers seem to be coming down and I suppose yeah. we should remember we are only in the second week of June. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, two months ago it was like, you know, end of earth stuff. Yeah. And, we and, and we're two months on from that and now we're starting to see some hope, so maybe another two months on from that, that's yeah. as in August, we might have that freedom of movement that we're hoping for. which will allow them to do it and like like I said there's nothing wrong with them trying to organise it because if they do have everything in place and then it comes the time of the start of August and it's good to go for teams to play and move around then great everybody's ready to go everyone knows when the dates are so exactly (laughs) good luck to them Uh,
0: so I mean at least we could maybe take a bit of normality this summer I don't know how close it's it's going to be um, in that you know we still expect some transfers to go through uh, we still expect Celtic to, to look at improving the squads and trying to hold on to their best players. I mean, just if you were to you know take a wee look over the, the Celtic squad at the moment. I know you've mentioned in uh, your uh, record column about keeping, oh sorry, not keeping but getting Fraser Foster back. But just if you sort of look at the the squad, would there be one or two areas that you'd be looking to improve?
1: Uh, well, first and foremost, just on the Forster one, I saw yeah. that uh, he, you know, he, he has been linked to a top four club uh, in the Premier League. But the truth of it is, uh, Fraser Forster isn't going to to play for a top four club in the Premier League. So the common sense move is for him to go back to Celtic, where I think he's had his, you know, arguably the best form of his career. I think he's absolutely key. Celtic have to get that, that deal done. But, I, you know, I, th- I think Fraser's at an age now where what's the point in sitting on a bench and, say, winning the Premier League down south or, or winning the Champions League? It's not the same feeling. And, of yeah. course, you know, we can talk about competition for places and, you know, you have the opportunity in all positions to, to knock, the, the you know, the, the recognised goalkeeper or the number one goalkeeper out. But it doesn't really work like that with goalkeeping, does it? All other positions... You know, that are on the table with goalkeepers. You know, managers have a preferable number one. I don't. I don't think he should be doing that. Money is important, of course it is, and I. You know, I get the argument. That argument, totally get it. But I think that uh, that the way he's performed last season. You know, he was absolutely outstanding, and and Celtic have to have to find a way of. Of being persuasive and getting it done. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy financially for them to get it done, but with what is at stake, I think that that is the first piece of business which uh, Celtic need to get over the line. Because bring another goalkeeper in who, who um, you know, doesn't have Fraser's uh, standing and experience, and uh, and of course there'll be massive scrutiny. You know what you're going to get with Fraser Forster. Um, mm-hmm. So that's of paramount importance.
0: Yeah. Swanee, you know, how important is this potential deal in terms of you know what Southampton decide that they want to do? Yeah, I'm, I'm, what do you mean? I don't know what you mean. So, was, you know, I thought there was a kind of you know suggestion that Southampton are, you know, they might be struggling financially in a sense, and that they might be looking to. You know offload
2: players and sell. Ah, I see. Sorry, I, I just wasn't sure whether you were coming at it from a, from a football point of view. Sorry, yeah, um, no. yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we still don't know. We've, we've discussed it a couple of times before on the podcast. We don't know the effects, the financial effects, uh, for, for each individual club south of the border. Um, Fraser Foster's obviously on a good contract at Southampton, um, but he's, he's out the picture, and I, I think there's I think there's only so much that Southampton can demand for a yeah. for a guy that they basically they basically placed as third choice. He, I mean, he wasn't even backup; he was he was third best. Um, and I don't know how much the premium is for third choice goalkeepers in England, but um, I don't think they can ask for silly money. Yeah. Um, I don't believe. I mean, I, I did see things about potential fire sales and all this kind of stuff at various clubs, but. To be honest, if these English Premier League games get finished as they're going to, the television money remains intact, and the new super duper contracts ready to go for next season. And, and, English football is not going to become skint, overnight. No, so. well, I
1: mean, it, but it is going to. There is going to have some impact, um, you know, on the finances down. So I think a lot of this, though, um, they need we, to be
2: realistic, not, Chris. Be yeah, yeah, realistic do, and but, not be greedy.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the key point. And I I think actually Fraser Forster will have a big say in this. The bottom line is if uh, Ralph Hassenhutel wanted him as his number one, that's a different story entirely. That doesn't seem to be the case. So therefore, a lot of this will come down to what Fraser Forster wants. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if Fraser Forster wants to go and sit on a bench uh, for one of the top four clubs in the English Premier League, that's up to him. That's his call. But, you know, I would, I would like to think uh, that he's experienced enough and knows the game well enough uh, that he, he wants to go and, and play football. And I actually believe he will. Money is important, but he's getting paid, you know, a shed load of money um, anyway. Um, yeah. But, you know, at, at the end of your career, you can have all the money in the world. But Fraser Forster, last season, will look back on that season. Some of his performances in Europe were phenomenal the performance in the um, in the cup final was absolutely staggering, and and they're they're the memories uh, you know w- which you have when you finish. And you know he, he would have. Listen, listening
2: to him speak as well, Chris. Right. Listening to him speak. Um, yeah, I I, I I remember the night of the Lazio game at Celtic Park when he made the unbelievable save at the end, just after Julian had scored to to win the game for Celtic, and he made that stunning save. I'm, yeah. sure he, I'm sure he wouldn't be embarrassed I mean, to, by anyone to say he was actually quite emotional after that when he did his interview afterwards. He was actually quite emotional that this is what I missed. Uh,
1: this is what I missed,
2: that, that, and that is so all. Oh, so I think you're right, Chris. Exactly what you're saying. I think he gets it, and he wants to play. And He wants to play in front of sixty thousand in front of, in these big games. So yeah, I think he'd, I think yeah, he'd, he. Uh, I, I don't that, profess to have an inside knowledge, but I would expect him to stay that, if he could. You I mean, imagine you know.
1: In playing against Stoke under 23s, you know, yeah. and telling his grandkids he made a good save in one of those games when there was, you know, a man and his dog watching the game. Or, yeah. you know, I won a Champions League medal. How many games did you play? Uh, none. I won a you know league title down south. How many games did you play? I came on a sub. I mean, come on. I'm
2: a, I'm a, a man and a dog might be one person, one animal more than gets into a Champions League game this season. Yeah, I <laughs> I I
1: was
0: totally
2: yeah. Maybe we should not the
0: man and a dog. I feel dog. <laughs> uh, but I think it's really to uh, being a guy who's he's um, he's obviously had that first spell at the club, but he's obviously somebody who will get the... Not just like maybe other loan signings who come and go. He will be somebody who gets the importance of this 10-in-a-row season. So that's got to have a bearing on his thinking as well, you would, you would imagine.
2: And he's also got a manager that's got total faith in him. Yeah. The, fact, the fact that Neil Lennon made it one of his missions last summer, and a lot of people raised eyebrows, Liam, mm-hmm. when it was first mooted about Fred, oh, he hasn't played for 18 months and blah, blah, blah. There was absolutely no doubt from Neil Lennon. Now, Crystal. Be able to answer this better than me, what it's like to have that backing from a manager. But I guess it goes for all walks of life and all employment. You know, if people believe in you then, you know, you you go the extra mile. And Fraser Foster mentioned it several times last season, how much working for Neil Lennon, how much Neil Lennon wanted him, meant to him. Made he, you know, couldn't have got up the road fast enough, he said. So that'll be on his mind as well. He knows he's got a manager that really values him. Would that be
1: the case, Chris? Yeah. 100%. A hundred percent, you know, it's a, it's a look he he no doubt I didn't think he was as bad as what everybody made out at Southampton. I think he had a bad couple of weeks and maybe his confidence dropped a bit. It happened to me, uh, but for a lot a lot longer when I was at um at Chelsea. But you know, he he's yeah, I think he's an outstanding <laughs> goalkeeper. But he uh, all right, all right. Uh, but he's a he's an outstanding goalkeeper and he would have enjoyed the fact that, uh, that that Neil Lennon had faith in him, but it was about coming up and proving himself. And I think that you know we'd all agree that he certainly proved himself, and in the biggest games uh, possible. You know, the big European nights, the League Cup final, when it absolutely mattered. And that's you know when you're a player, that they are. They, I said said a few minutes ago, they are your memories. They're the things he will remember when. You know, when he packs in it and, and, you know, and take great pride in it. And so he should. He's not going to remember reserve games. Who remembers, you know, reserve games? Travelling to a game and, you know, you're going to sit on the bench. That's that's boring, you know. Boring.
0: And I suppose on top of Forster, um, the other big one this summer is, you know, the future of odson Edward. He's obviously the guy that Celtic fans want to hold on to more than anybody else. And it's... Reasons to be optimistic there than the fact that he's now in talks over a new contract.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, is that is that true? Is that Celtic said that? Talk-
2: yeah, we had the story back in February. It's been ongoing for a while. I'm trying to speak but, to him about it. That's oh, an early wait.
1: scoop there, wasn't it? February. Yeah, it was,
2: right. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yep. Yeah, um, that's obviously it makes sense from Celtic's point of view, I would have thought. Yeah, um, yeah. trying to entice him to stay. You said it yourself in one of your columns as well, yeah. Chris. He's um, a, I don't yeah. think there's a lot of discussion needed on this one. I think we, I think we pretty much know.
1: Yeah, I mean Fraser
2: Foster is important, but and and I, I take the point from Kib, But I mean those two guys at, at either end of the pitch, they, to me, are the two most important bits of business type of thing. The other guys are in place. you, you can argue Edward doesn't a bit of business because he's already there, but. We're not stupid. We realise that there's, there's other clubs looking at him. Mm-hmm. If they can get him to stay and Foster to come back, I think they're in a really, really strong position.
1: Yeah, with with what's at stake, um, you know, the ten, the importance of it. You think Edward staying is absolutely crucial. Just imagine Edward not staying, and the panic. You know, Celtic trying to bring another player in who they couldn't possibly do to replace Edward. In my opinion. Sure. I think that Neil Lennon will be looking to bring another striker in. If I'm honest, I, I'm not sure that he thinks that he has um, um, the backup with Bayo and uh, and Klimala. I, you know, I don't, I don't think that uh, that, that they have proven themselves. I think it, you know the, it's very, very uh, encouraging Lee Griffiths' performance, but I think with you know with, with what is at stake, the ten then Neil will want back up in that area, Um, you know, most certainly. But Edouard, um, you know, must stay, really. I didn't understand, you know, I'm a big fan of Frimpong. I didn't understand. How did Edouard not win that award? I like Frimpong. He's a great, you know, great player, great, uh, you know, great on the telly. Mm -hmm. Spooks from the heart, but come on.
2: Edouard. (laughs) He's the main man. Maybe they just wanted to share out the main award and the young player award. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. share the love. Well, Well, unless unless he hasn't won the main player award, I don't know. Maybe not. Uh,
1: (laughs) Maybe Simunovic has won that or I used
2: to,
1: I used to, you know, you talk about sharing awards. We all used to be embarrassed when that like, Henrik was at the club, and we used to go to the Player of the Year awards, and some somebody else got it. I remember Momo Seller. <laughs> <laughs> Lenny won it once, and and we're all sitting there on our the tables, and Lenny's up and making a speech and talking about himself for twenty-five minutes, and we're all thinking, how the. He won that. <laughs> he, sat there. he scored at scored 85 goals with 50 assists. They're all sitting there, and the jaws are all hitting the floor. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
2: Do have a, do, do, does the podcast have a bleak machine? For uh, them,
0: yeah? yeah. If not, we might need to invest in one. Oh, would you? <laughs> we, can maybe, we can maybe split up
1: <laughs>
2: this time. It's true, so, though. This is the Norfolk TV you're on now.
1: As it is. <laughs> but that, but but that expletive was in there to stress exactly, exemplify how what you we were.
2: Mean, <laughs> I can imagine.
0: Yeah. So I mean, the the players. You know, you mentioned that the players talk about that in the lead up to, to these things. Or oh, who's going to get Player of the Year? Who should who should get it? Who shouldn't get it? Is there a bit of, a bit of slagging that goes on there? Mm.
1: No, not well. We just expected Henrik to get it every year. So, well, it was never. It was never. No, I mean, you know, personal accolades are, of course, important. And when you get home, it's good to boast to your kids and your missus about it. But uh, now, I think most players play a straight back. Yeah, know, um, with that. Other, other than Lenny.
2: No paper in this. No paper in the Sutton household wasted on victory speeches. Then, no. Yes.
1: Well, I've got so many, I've got so many <laughs> awards, you know, over the years, and I don't like to talk about them. I don't like to talk about them myself. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. Well, uh, the victory speaks on the back of his golf scorecard, <laughs> which was great as well. <laughs> <laughs> just before um, just before
0: we finish up, um, just wanted to talk about, you know, it seems to come round in a cycle, this issue, it comes round every so often. Uh, the possibility of cult teams, Celtic and Rangers, playing in the the lower leagues. Um, so this time, Rangers have put it forward as part of like a a reconstruction plan where their Colt team, and I think we understand that Celtic are possibly in favour of this as well. They'd pay into the the lower league, um, and that would give their young players from the development teams, you know, a kind of taste of you know senior football on a, a regular basis. Um, so obviously that, that, that kind of Seems to be quite an emotive issue. This one, there's always people arguing for and against. Uh, well, I think there's kind of different sort of levels to it in a sense that. So, like, do we think, that purely in a football sense, um, taking out any any of the other arguments, is this something that is this a good idea? Is this is this something that Scottish football should be going after? Chris, do you think?
1: Um, I don't. I don't know enough about it. What? What I would say is the thing which confuses me, and you can say a lot confuses you, Chris. And I, you know, I understand that.
2: A lot confuses you, Chris.
1: That's right. That's very true. <laughs> so, so they start. They start in the bottom tier. What if they get promoted? What I happens? don't think
0: they can go above the championship. I don't think they can. They wouldn't be allowed to go above that level. It's the same. I think the way it is in, I know certainly in Spain, the Barcelona and Real Madrid yeah. teams. Yeah, right, they, can't, okay. they can't get promoted to La Liga. They can't go any higher than the, the second division, I think. And I think it would be the same case in Scotland if it was to if it was to happen.
1: So, therefore, what's the uh, you, you know people keep banging on about integrity? What, what you know, so so they get into the championship, win the you know, have the strongest players win the championship year in year out, both mm-hmm. teams. Um, what, you know, what, what, I think what's from a point? I think
2: I, I think from a football point of view. It's beneficial
1: to Celtic
2: and Rangers yeah. you know, to get their players first team, you know, experience of playing against men rather than playing against academy players. Um, so I can understand it from their point of view. From a football point of view, not really sure how it benefits anyone in the lower leagues. Yeah. So for their players to be playing against, you know, I don't see where the football aspect of it comes from for them. Mm-hmm. I do see In the non footballing aspect, where it would come from, from the lower league clubs, because I think in the days of the old reserve games, when it it used to be the first team would play at home and and the reserves would play away, you know, you would get a few hundred maybe extra on the gate. If you imagine Celtics Colt team playing at Albion Rovers at Clifton Hill, maybe on a day when the first team wasn't playing, Mm -hmm. you maybe get another two, three, four, five hundred onto the gate to watch them. Just for the to have a day, out. so I understand that might be beneficial to the clubs as well, especially if the uh, to the lower league clubs financially. Not sure football wise what the, what the gain is for them. Yeah. I think all the football gain is for you know the cult players and for the for Celtic Rangers putting those teams in there. But yeah. from yeah, a I'll business point of view, it's good for the lower clubs. So yeah. I think just so to, it's me, a, to so me, there's so more to me. There's more pros than cons, to be honest.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it suits Celtic and Rangers, but I, I, I don't actually mind the you know loan. Well, I mean, just carry on loaning players out. You know, it's uh, th- I think it's uh, you know a good experience for players to go out on loan. I don't, I don't, I I'm actually not too keen on it. The more I, the more I think about it, I do think it you know it suits Celtic and Rangers, of course, but uh, you know I'm not so sure it, it would suit other other clubs in Scotland for various now, reasons.
2: I think that's a good point you make, Chris, on on two levels. Um, I think the first one with the, the tournament that involved the Colts in the last couple of years there was a lot of one-sided games they, they, you know the, the, the lower Scottish League teams were, were, were beating the, the Colts or the under-21 sides from, mm-hmm. the, from the Premiership in that competition there was a lot of talk about how, how was a lot of the, it was easier to set pieces and things like that you know you big powerful men just throwing wee guys out the road to score goals um, it wasn't really balanced because it was, it was a Colt team I think Chris's angle might be correct because there was a, there was a good article from Carl McGregor a couple of weeks ago when he talked about how important that spell at Notts County was for him um, when he played alongside Grealish before he got into the Celtic team. He made a very good point. He said, um, you learn as a young player. You know, when I first went down there, I, I, you know, trying to shoot and score every time I got the ball, but he said, you learn that if you score two goals in a 4-2 defeat, that's not a day's work. You're playing with men. Need to win and want to win for the bonuses and things like that. So, you might be right, Chris. Having 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 the players going out on loan, anti men's teams might be better than them all being grouped together as Colts playing against men's teams. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that was a part of the thing that Rangers put forward. There was a alternative
0: alternative, sorry, so element to it where instead of the Colt teams going in, there would be. They called it a strategic partnership between, say, for example, Celtic and a team in League 2 where I think at the moment the the maximum number of players they could loan out to a team is four. But mm-hmm. I think that would go up to six. And then there would also be a coach from Celtic
2: who would then go in and be part of that as well. So I think that would... Now, I'm not sure that works. I don't, I'm don't. i not on that because that, that's like the equivalent of, you know, Gretna having a massive benefactor and buying up all the best players and getting themselves promoted mm-hmm. all the way through. You know, if, if basically, you can cosy up to Celtic, you can get their six best coach players, if you're whatever team Sun Ra, and you just absolutely yes. sail the league. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I don't, I don't like that idea, yeah. I have to say. So
1: Scottish <laughs> football can't just, you know, I need to be careful the way I word this, but it, it can't always suit Celtic and Rangers.
0: Uh there was I think it was the Stenhouse-Muir chairman uh, Ian McMenemy, who uh, he didn't say that, that it would be this would be the case but I think he said if something like this was to happen it would have to be done in a way that doesn't like cheapen the lower leagues and that you've got you know two teams in it whose sort of main purpose is to develop players for the Celtic and Rangers first teams whereas you know these other clubs this is their this is their bread and butter this is what they exist for to try and get promotion and win leagues and totally. provide stuff for their fans. So I think it, it, would have, it would have to be done in a way, if possible, that, as, as he said, doesn't sort of cheapen the lower leagues.
1: The Celt- Celtic and Rangers, um, for the development of, the, of these players, they are going to want them playing at the highest level possible. Mm-hmm. They're going to want them tested at the highest level. So, so, so you know, make no bones about it. Celtic and Rangers will want promotion and get up into a higher league. Yeah. So, that, so then the players are tested more. So, mm-hmm. you know, it isn't going to be a case of Celtic and Rangers sitting at the, you know, before divisions. Um, you know, sitting at the bottom and and, you know, just just playing for the sake of it to to yeah. tick a box and give lads experience. They mm-hmm. will be desperate. Yeah you know to oh, get to definitely. the highest level possible so their players are being tested and yeah. then the question is is is, is that fair on
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know on, on, on other teams
0: yeah actually definitely i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt that these you know the young the, the young lads in these teams they'd be hungry they'd be hungry for success they'd want to win
2: they'd want to play yeah. at the highest level possible um, and the other financial aspect for the lower league clubs as well is if you can bring in four boys from celtic or rangers for your club that's four wages you've saved <laughs> You know, so that's four four poor individuals who play in that position, that position, that position. Don't get a contract for that year because yeah. they've got four players. They've saved wages on four players because Celtic are playing the wages of the, the, the kids that have come in. or Rangers. Yeah, so, a very good again, point, financially for this for the lower league clubs and and with the added gates, I'm sure they'd be delighted. But uh, I'm I'm with Chris. I must admit, some of the football aspects of it leave me feeling a bit cold. You know, so it would it would kind of walk. Other guys who have been who have been playing in these leagues—is that what you were kind of saying there? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not. You know, it's not even a case of blocking. Just you know, if you're building a squad at the start, I mean, the lower league teams run on ish squads, 18-20 mm-hmm. players. Well, so if you're case. the chair, you're, you're the chairman of a, a, a League Two team, and you have got twenty wages to pay that summer, all of a sudden you might only
1: need to pay sixteen. You're mm-hmm. going to
2: jump at the chance of that, aren't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a really good point. That's Swanee's so, one good point in the podcast. Right uh, the end.
2: But but that is scary
1: the fact that like, <laughs> then, then, then kids get taken into clubs for the wrong reasons. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll we finish like with that. a Good point. We'll finish on a positive for Swanee after his negativity about the Bundesliga.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so Bundesliga no German horse racing yes ah, we,
2: we started off on the positivity of Chris's 107 strokes in the golf course this morning so was the we, we can revisit that just to end yeah. up close celebrity <laughs> challenge <laughs> that's all from us today
0: thank you very much to Swanee and Chris for joining me and of course we'll be back again next midweek to discuss all the latest Celtic news Um, If you want to get the pod as soon as it's available, make sure you download the Global Player app. Uh, Don't worry if you listen to us on other platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Acast, that's fine. But we recommend you download the Global Player app to listen to our podcasts before it's released on any other player. And that app is available to download on iOS and Google Stores. Thanks very much for joining us.